0: Are you ready, Felipe? Let's do it. This is The Real Estate Rookie Podcast, show number one.
1: When we first started, I was the analyzer, and we would get a counter offer on a property, and Kyle would say to me, well, can we go higher? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, we're still cash flowing, but it, you know, cuts down on the return, and is that good? I don't know. Is that bad? Like, there's really not a lot of people to talk to. And so having a group of people who invest in your area and can speak more directly to what you're going through has been so helpful.
2: I'm Felipe Mejia.
0: And I'm Ashley Kerr. Today, we have our first ever real estate rookies, Lauren and Kyle Clugston, a husband and wife team from Camden County, New Jersey. Felipe, what was your favorite takeaway from them? I
2: loved this episode simply because they break down the burst strategy so effectively and how they're able to pull out their money, you know, even more than they invested. That's a home run in my book.
0: Yeah, they do a really great job of explaining what the Burr method is too for anyone that's not familiar with it. I love that as rookie investors themselves, they've been able to purchase a property and take it all the way through to the end of the birth strategy and only their third deal, which they go into detail about.
2: Leveraging a meetup, leveraging their Instagram and just really, you know, being positive in their community and helping out other investors as well.
0: Yeah. And don't forget their junk collector tip. You got a lot of junk in your house (laughs) or house you're purchasing. They give a great tip on uh, junk removal too, which I love.
2: They do. They do. They go into detail on everything that they do with this deal. So
3: let's bring in Lauren and Kyle. T O Retirement.com or text R E I to 33777. Again, text R E I to 33777.
4: Remember when you had to pay to get a leads phone number? It was like the dark ages until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost.
5: Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true, and it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So, if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com/host.
0: Hi, guys. How are you guys doing? So good. So, so excited good. for to be here. Absolutely. We are so. We are glad so to excited have to have yeah. you.
2: <laughs> So, hey, Lauren and Kyle, I'm actually super, super excited to have you guys on. I would really like if you would tell us a little bit about who you are and how you got started.
1: Yeah, sure. So Kyle and Lauren, we are a husband and wife team. We started investing about three years ago before we were married. In Jersey. In New Jersey. Yeah. We focus primarily in South Jersey. We kind of consider ourselves DIY investors because we do basically everything ourselves from finding the deals, funding the deals, doing all the renovations. I mean, that's primarily Kyle, but I help where I can. Um, and then I also self-manage. So we try to have our hand in a little bit of everything.
6: Yeah, it's 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 been a process. I, I knew nothing about it before Lauren brought it to me as an idea, as an investment strategy. And I jumped fully on board. And it, with every project, we end up learning a little something. It's, it's been a fun ride.
1: Yeah, and kind of the way we got started is I always liked real estate. I didn't really know what that meant. You know, I was like, maybe I want to be an agent. Maybe I want to do something else. Um, but I also had a lot of cash thanks to smart saving advice from my father. Um, and so when we were in our mid-20s, I straight up just Googled, what should you invest in when you're in your 20s? And <laughs> Brandon Turner's like original blog, um, Real Estate in Your 20s, popped up, and I binge read that thing so quick. And printed I, it out yeah, and handed it, out. it to me
6: one day. <laughs> yeah. and it was just like, read this.
1: <laughs> well, I printed out. He had the downloadable um, Seven Years to Seven Figures Wealth ebook or whatever. And I was like, I don't know how to explain everything I just read in the past week to you, so just read this book. Hopefully it will convince you. And I feel like it's just been a really good collaboration. You know, I'm really analytical, and I like the processes and the logistics, and I looked out and found a guy who's so handy and can kind of figure out any sort of renovation project. Yeah,
6: yeah. so, like, I grew up in a house where my father did everything DIY. He was a jack-of-all-trades, and uh, I learned a little bit growing up until – Right around 2013, it was when Hurricane Sandy hit. And my family has a house in Seaside Park, which got completely, you know, 20 some inches of water in it. Wow. And we renovated the whole house ourselves, me, my father, and my cousin. So it was one project where I was able to do a full house renovation and be like, yeah, raise confidence levels. When she brought it to me and said, hey, let's look for homes, and we started looking at homes, the confidence to say, hey, you know what? We, yeah, we could definitely do this. So. Did um, you guys
0: and, know right away that you wanted to house hack or that you wanted to buy a rental property? Or I didn't even did know what work?
6: house hack was. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then she, again, she brought it to me. It was like...
1: Definitely, we knew buying holds were, was the thing. And then when I kind of learned the idea of house hacking, I was like, okay, this is investing on training wheels. And I was like, you know, we either have to pay rent or pay a mortgage ourselves. So if we can house hack and buy a two family, if we make mistakes, if we don't get a tenant on time... Mm-hmm. You know, there's some wiggle room. It's not as detrimental as if we have this complete second mortgage that we have to, you know, fund every month. And so I knew house hacking was definitely going to be the way to go to start out. I felt like it was a nice ease into investing. And um it's something that we kind of plan on to continue to do for the foreseeable future.
6: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, when we speak to a lot of people that are just getting into it. Yeah, we highly suggest that that's like the first step because it really is. You're going to buy a home anyway, why not make it an investment?
1: Mm-hmm. And there's so many benefits. Obviously, um, owner-occupant funding from banks, you get much better rates. You can put as little as 3.5% down, which is something we're going to doing. You get be doing. to bid a
6: little bit sooner than uh, straight up investors.
1: Yeah, one of the properties we have, we bid online and we were able to bid on it a week prior to other investors. So that was a great benefit. And then also with renting, you know, we would never break any laws, but you don't have to follow fair housing laws in New Jersey when you're renting and when it's your primary residence. And again, I would never, you know, outrightly do that, but it was just a little comforting knowing that
6: we've never screened tenants before. So like, (laughs) yeah, what are we looking for? What aren't we looking for? So it was definitely put a little ease uh, to the decision making. Exactly. That's awesome.
2: I love that. Now, before we get into your portfolio and strategies, and before we kind of get in, t- tell our listeners a little bit about what you did before real estate, right? So everyone always talks about, this is how I do real estate. This is what I do. Well, What would you do before this?
1: So what we do before is what we also do now. We still work full time. <laughs> so I am in video production and digital marketing and I have done that out of college. I went to school for video production and worked my way kind of through reality television and corporate video and and that's kind of what I still do now.
6: So I graduated college. I knew I always wanted to get into law enforcement and anybody that's ever been through the process knows it's a long process. You may not get chosen and the process is a year long. So I actually didn't end up getting hired until I was about 26 in my first police department. So I'm in law enforcement. I am now have moved up and am a trooper in Jersey State Police. So um, I've been doing that the past four years. And uh, the schedule is great because it offers me a lot of time off from my schedule. We do what's called a Pittman schedule, but it gives me a three day weekend every other weekend a lot of time for renovation mm-hmm. uh, um, in my off time. So it, that helps us out when we have to meet with people during the week, during normal business hours that the Monday through Friday may not be able to get out and do.
0: Mm-hmm. And you're probably awesome, pretty awesome. good at reading people when you do your tenant screening now too. <laughs> oh,
1: he's too good. I'm obviously the, you know, the gullible one. Yeah. And, but, but did you hear their story? They're right. going through a rough time. They said they're better now. And he just looks at me and says, they're lying straight to your face. Yeah.
6: <laughs> and I pulled him over last week. So yeah. I know that. <laughs> no, luckily we do not invest in the area that I work. So I, was gonna I don't, say. don't run into anybody.
1: <laughs> but it, it, does, it is helpful. We are complete opposites in a lot of ways. And it has proven to
0: be very beneficial and advantageous for our investing journey. Yeah, well, that's good. It does seem like you guys complement each other very well with what your strengths and weaknesses are. But let's move on to your portfolio. So what have you guys uh, built up now?
6: So uh, like we mentioned before, our first project was the uh, the duplex, two-family house hack. We stayed there for a year to fulfill that uh, owner occupancy of the mortgage. And then that one was, like she had mentioned, was the HUD foreclosure. We did that one on a 30-year uh, conventional. With 20% down that Lauren luckily saved up. A her. lucky guy
1: there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Again, we are complete opposites in that. Yeah, I'm not. I'm uh, not we not come, we came together, and I have all this money. How much you got? Debt. I just have debt. <laughs>
6: <laughs> yep. <laughs> Student loans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Student loans. Yeah. <Funny.
1: laughs> That's you know, what pe- I bring people, to the table. Yeah. 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 People joke, you know, oh, did your savings account have your communion money in it? A hundred percent. My savings account was like <laughs> communion money, birthday <laughs> yeah. money, and then you know just saving from jobs. My my dad. Very fortunately, taught me, you know, very early on, do not go with lifestyle creep. So when I got a 25 cent raise at Rita's Italian Ice, which is one of my first jobs, he was like, "Uh uh-uh, you know, do not increase your lifestyle. Keep pretending like you're still making what you're making. And that's kind of stuck with me throughout. And so I didn't realize how valuable that was then. Uh, Then I was annoyed by it, but it has served us really well. So
6: yeah. And Lauren had spoke to me about kind of the plan for that first property and how uh, we wanted to renovate, it was a partial burr where we wanted to refinance and pay off the construction costs for the renovation. So uh, that is what we ended up doing. We were able to pull out enough to pay off construction costs and live in it.
1: Yeah. It wasn't a perfect burr, but it allowed us to live for like $50 a month, which is yeah, great. Yeah. And which I think set us really, set us up well for future properties.
2: So we throw around sometimes these acronyms he HELOCs and things like that. So would you care to explain a little bit more of what the Burr strategy is?
1: Yeah, so BRR is an acronym that stands for Buy, Renovate, Rent, Refinance, Repeat. And basically, you buy a property that has some value add opportunity. So perhaps it's run down, or you bought it way below market due to you know a seller situation, and you up the value. So you renovate it, you place tenants. Um, and you force appreciation that way. And if you bought it correctly, you after renovations, you would still be below market value. And then you rent it out, you place tenants, you receive rent checks. And then after all that is said and done, you do a refinance. And this is where you find out how well you did. Um, so, for example, in our first deal, the property appraised high enough where we could pull out all of our renovation costs, but the way that the town was, our rents would weren't, as, weren't high enough, in which case it would have negatively affected our cash flow. So we only took out enough to recoup about half of our renovation costs. So we were still able to live for free, and then once we moved out, able to cash flow more. But we have had a super successful bird deal later on in our portfolio, which we can discuss. But it's a great way to continuously work your cash because you're pulling it out after each and every deal and putting it towards the next one. Correct.
2: Yeah. I love that. I love that. So real quick, before we move on, how many properties do you have now and what's your favorite strategy?
6: So we right now have three properties and we're about to close on a, uh, another multifamily that we, like I said, we get into later on. Cause that one is our uh, most recent deal. We, we've used a different strategy for actually all of our properties.
1: I mean, obviously, burrs our favorite cause it's yeah. most, uh, <laughs> because it's the most advantageous one. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it allows sure. you to keep moving on and moving forward. So obviously, that's our favorite. But yeah, we close next week on our fourth property, um, and we're going to be burring that one as well. Probably not to the extent of the one we just finished, but you know what we kind of did is we invest in two different areas, and so. Each property kind of has its own strategy and its own purpose. So we invest in one area that's a little bit more working class, blue collar, and those returns are great and where burrs are quite possible. And then we invest in another area that's a little bit more like upper middle class, already developed, and we still cash flow there, but it's kind of a more stable market and we like to balance our, our portfolio with those two. So we... Won't have as successful burrs in this nicer market, if you will, but we feel it complements our strategy and balances out our portfolio.
5: Yeah,
6: absolutely.
1: Do
0: you think that market is more for appreciation you're going for, the one that's more stable? Do you think you'll get more appreciation out of that one or mm-hmm. the one where your rents are, um, you're cash flowing more?
6: So the ones where we're cash flowing more it in itself is an up-and-coming area. So mm-hmm. within the next 10 years, we hope that the area makes a turn yeah. And we've heard some plans that the city has. A big university south of us is has, has some plans on building uh, public transportation through that town. So we're hoping that that strategy actually works out.
1: No, we're doing more than hoping. I did a lot of yes. research.
4: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> good, no, good. I, I read
1: the entire 100-page town redevelopment plan. Wow, so there's wow. more than hope in this strategy. But yes, the nicer area uh, appreciation is you know, more or less in the books.
6: Yeah, and the other area, uh, the nicer area that we're talking about, the historic area, we did rent there uh, five years ago. And we watched the, the cost of uh, properties, I mean, skyrocket even from then to now. So like Lauren said, it's definitely a more stable market. We know that we're always going to have property value there.
1: And it's also tenant quality. So in this town, our tenants, we hear from them... Never, except when we reach out to them to do inspections and renew their lease. Um, Whereas the other market where we cash flow better, you know, it just takes a little bit more effort to, you know, take care of our tenants. So
6: yeah, that area, the historic one has public transportation right to Philadelphia. So Mm. we get a lot of young professionals that don't want that city life that look in that area. So that that turnover is I mean, I think we've had two or three turnovers in that duplex property in Hat. one. Yeah, yeah but it rented within 24 hours.
1: Yeah. We had no vacancy. Wow. That's great. And another thing about this one is these are the houses that we house hack. And so I'm hundred percent. Okay. To sacrifice living square footage. You know, mm-hmm. I am fine living in a very small one bedroom apartment on the third floor, but I don't want to sacrifice location. And so this town is kind of the reason why we invest there. We live there and invest there. So we enjoy it. And
0: that's kind of our focus there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That's interesting to hear. And I want to know: Did you uh, print out that development report for Kyle to read too? Hundred pages. <laughs> he wouldn't have read that. There's no <laughs> way. <laughs> okay, so let's go on to the deal. We want to hear, you know, the nitty gritty of the deal that you guys want to share with us today. Yeah. So it's property number three. It
1: is actually two doors down from property number two, and. You know, what's funny when we first started, we definitely wanted to do small multifamilies a hundred percent. You know, that's the quickest way to build your portfolio. And after we finished property number one, we actually thought that property number two was harder to find because there were so many options <laughs> when you're house hacking, <laughs> yeah. you know where you want to live, you know uh, what condition the house is going to be in. So property number two was kind of like our first real rental. And we had, you know, do we go out of state? Do we go in Philadelphia? Do we stay where we're at? Do we do mobile homes? You know, there's so many options. And we were so focused though on multifamily that it was a very hot market. We couldn't really find anything. And just on a whim, we're like, let's switch our criteria on the app to single family and realize that there were some really great single family opportunities in sort of our lower income market. So that's where properties number two and three are. And property number three, we weren't even looking for a property.
6: No, and we had, we had known that this place... Was a little run down because when we were renovating property number two, we looked down the backyards and it was just totally overgrown. I mean, it was what you wanted to see when you were looking for a good burr property. And it, Lauren, I think the wholesaler contacted you, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we got reached out to buy a wholesaler and saying that they, you know, they were looking to sell the place, but we couldn't come up with a number that worked for both of us. So after that, kind of fell through with that wholesaler. A couple of weeks went by and we realized it hadn't sold. So Lauren came up with the idea. Let's just reach out to the, the owner and let's just see if we can talk to them and we could come up with something. Mm-hmm. So she did.
1: Yeah. The seller and the wholesaler ended their agreement. So it's not like we circumvented her <laughs> and we reached out to the seller directly and we listened to them for a very long time. Um, <laughs> and we identified the seller as someone who loves to talk. So we spent many hours on the phone with her, um, listening to her pain points and understanding what she needed and what she wanted. And we were able to come up with a win-win. Yeah. And- we
6: learned that she actually lived down in Florida. Her daughter had lived there for about five years and um, she had zero idea what the place was like, because when she left, it was pristine. It was, it was, it was dated, but it was clean. So yeah, she had no idea what was happening.
1: There. She kept telling us <laughs> that she was going to come up and do a coat of paint and listen on the oboe market. And, I
6: had the and, opportunity. Luckily <laughs> when the wholesaler was, when we were working with the wholesaler, she actually was able to get me in there and I had already done a walkthrough. So I kind of already knew what the place needed, what our renovation budget was going to be about, when we were talking uh, with the owner. So she's explaining to me, I'm going to come up there and do a coat of paint. And I'm thinking, no, you're not, (laughs) because it needs a lot more than that.
0: Do you guys know how uh, the wholesaler found you guys? I do. So she said that she was just looking up uh, owners
1: around the location of the current property. Mm -hmm. And she knew we weren't living there. She can tell that our address was you know, not the address of the property, so she assumed we were landlords, um, which I thought was extremely smart. Obviously, we would be interested in wanting to own a property near ours, which was exactly true. We were not looking for a property, but when this opportunity came, how could you turn down one that's two doors down so you can have more control over the block? And it's a row block, so the properties are connected. So to have as much control of that block as possible, I think would be beneficial to us. So
6: Yeah, and we didn't refile on ours, or uh, property number two. so. And there wasn't really too many comps comparable to the unit that we had. So when we were talking refinance, we semi knew, but we didn't have a good grasp on what it was going to appraise at at the end of uh, that renovation.
1: Yeah, it's a town that so many people buy, distressed, renovate, and keep. That there's not mm-hmm. a lot of sales on the book, so it's hard to know what the true ARV is. Um, which was a little nerve wracking for us yeah, because for we didn't sure it know. Was.
6: Yeah, because when we're setting a budget, I mean, we can ballpark it, but hopefully at the end it comes in high, you know?
0: (laughs) Right, right. Before we get to the, you know, the refinance, how did you guys pay for it? What did you purchase it for? Yeah,
6: so like we said, each property has been a different uh, strategy. So this was our first kind of foray into using a uh, a private lender. So that's what we did. We um, used two private lenders that gave us enough to uh, purchase and renovate.
1: Mm-hmm. Can you purchase. define private lender? <laughs> You're going to answer the book here. Yeah. <laughs> um, so a private lender is someone who it's similar to a hard money lender, except that this person could be someone that, you know, personally, and they loan you money at an agreed upon interest rate, perhaps there are fees there may be draws and you sign some sort of documentation. In our case, we did a promissory note and they lend you the money against the terms. And then if you were to not pay them back, you know, depending on your contract, they could either take the property from you if they're in first position, um, you know, or there can be a significant amount of late fees. But so in our instance, we chose private lending because we just used family members. And at first we felt like we were begging for money and I didn't. And I hated that. <laughs> yeah. I hated going to <laughs> yeah. our family and our friends and asking if we can borrow money. And it felt weird and uncomfortable and we hated it. <laughs> and now we're in a position where we are not borrowing or begging. We are providing an opportunity. And throughout this process, we've had so many people ask us, "On oh, you know, next time you do a project, can we be your private lender? And it's crazy how that mindset and that lens and perspective has changed. Yeah. Especially
0: since you guys still have, you know, done just three deals and you already have people wanting to invest with you. That's really great. Definitely.
7: It's
2: crazy what proof of concept will do for you. I have same thing. At first, I felt like I was just out there begging for money, you know, and after like you guys two or three deals, it was like, well, people were like, well, can I invest with you? How can I help you? And it's like, oh, okay. I like that better. I like that (laughs) feeling
6: a little better. (laughs) Yeah. We sat in on a Matt Faircloth at one of our meetups we can discuss later. But Matt Faircloth actually discussed pitching to a private lender. And it was, you know, you could explain to them the fact that they can either have their money sit in a savings account collecting little to no interest, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, invest in the market that he can't guarantee what that return is going to be. Or you can invest in me where I can show you on paper comps in the area what they go for. This is what the property is going to value the end and we're going to pull money out and you'll get your initial investment plus your percent.
0: And I am a huge believer in like putting things on paper to show people because it makes a big difference showing them the numbers, you know, even a a pie chart (laughs) or anything, showing it to someone, you know, whether it's a private money lender or even the bank to show a loan officer, you know, what you're going to do. And even with your past, what you have done with numbers showing your profit from other deals or what your cash flow is, I think that's really valuable.
6: Yeah, I think it's definitely comforting to somebody that's going to be giving a large sum of money. Uh, yeah. to be able to see it. <laughs> so
2: you got the property, right? You ended up purchasing. That's awesome. So what happens next?
6: So we kind of wanted to distance ourselves from the renovation on this one. Uh, so we were going to go with a contractor, which we went with for about, I don't know, a month and a half. Right. And he was just working way too slow. I mean, he was working at the rate. I actually, I think me by myself could have worked faster than <laughs> this guy worked.
0: <laughs> How did you so, find him?
6: So... We, I, I was, got friends with a builder out in another county of Jersey, and all he did was he came to the area and went to the construction office and just asked for local contractors that do work in the area. They're, the construction office isn't allowed to recommend anybody, but mm. they can give you a list of trades, contractors, and that's what he did. So we got a list of maybe seven or eight contractors. They came to the house, gave their bids, and we picked one. Wow, so um, you had
0: between seven to eight beds to pick from. Yeah, wow, that's awesome.
6: We yeah. went with the cheapest.
0: So.
6: Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Was, that was a learning opportunity. Definitely for sure. a
0: learning opportunity.
1: <laughs> I will say, when we walked through with him, he was the one that gave us the best suggestions. You know, when we would walk into the bathroom and we said, you know, we're thinking about keeping this but switching that out, he would say. Eh, why I would really recommend replacing that, you know, down the line, X, Y, Z. And then the things that we wanted to change, he would say, no, don't spend your money there. You know, I can do this instead. And so we felt like he- He under- spoke
6: the investor. Yeah, he
1: spoke our language and he knew the area really well and we thought he would be a good partner. You know, he we, when we spoke with them, he said, you know, my bid's coming in low, bids because I want to build a relationship with you guys. And we thought that that was genuine. And maybe it was, but his work just didn't match. So after a month or so, we gave him the boot and fortunately. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> unfortunately, Kyle is super handy, so he was able to pick right up and obviously our renovation timeline slowed down significantly, but
6: but we weren't paying the labor cost yeah. like we were with him. So mm. that luckily we were doing job by job paying him um instead of the full project where we were doing down payments, so mm-hmm. that helped us out where he was done one job and it and then our relationship kind of ended from there.
1: So we renovated. It took about five months. Yeah,
6: five months.
1: And we definitely went over budget. Not and by much. Not by much. A couple thousand. Oh, good for yeah. you.
6: Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> it was so the first, of the duplex that we did was we were like way over budget. I mean, we had no idea what we were We doing. had zero idea. Like we knew how to do it, but how to project manage, we weren't too, you know.
1: We were going was, to Home Depot every day. We yeah, understand yeah, every day. bulk ordering. We didn't understand um, renovating by trade instead of renovating by room.
6: Yeah, so this one was we definitely did it a lot better. You, you could see you could see it tightening up. So we were pretty close. I, I want to say we were probably only like twenty five hundred to like three thousand over budget. Mm-hmm. And I want to say that that's only because. We chose to waterproof. We we chose to do a, a basement waterproofing uh, that we didn't necessarily need to do because a lot of properties in that area don't do it. Uh, they just put a sump in and and that's it.
1: But one of our kind of philosophies as landlords and investors is that we really want to front load our investments to ease management down the line. So we do all new appliances, we do new mechanicals or service them if they still have some life left in them. You know, nude plumbing, new toilets. We do not want the calls at two AM. So we really try to front load as much as possible. And this town has a high water table and I do not want the call that there is a flood in the basement and so we And said,
6: grandpa's old war relics were destroyed.
1: Right. So we like, Kyle, just... isn't that how you learned how to renovate? Was there water coming in? That's true. That's true. So we were like, let's just spend the money. I mean, it definitely hurt a little bit. So I would say renovation, holding costs, transaction costs, like the private lending fees and the closing and stuff. And our lawyer came out to be 43,000. So 25 purchase, 43,000 renovation and holding and transaction. And then through this whole process, I'm extremely conservative. So when I was running the numbers, I was like, you know, I let's say that it's going to appraise for 80. I think that will just keep us in a safe space. And we had the appraiser come out and it, appraised for $117,000. Wow. Yay, congratulations. (laughs) Mind blown. So of course we're like, yeah, let's take all 80% out. (laughs) Uh, Give me the money. (laughs) Seriously. And then, you know, we ran the numbers and I was like, hold on, you know, let's think about our goals. Our goals are not to own 100 plus properties. Our goal is to own a small but mighty cash flowing portfolio. And if we take out 80%, it will negatively affect the cash flow. So we ended up taking out about 74% and which came out to 87,750 was the loan. So we were able to pay back our lenders, pay obviously all the transaction costs and then get some cash for ourselves afterwards, which is what we ended up using for our down payment on property number four.
6: Yeah, and we knew we were going to kind of piggyback this property with a, with a house hack. So mm-hmm. to have that extra money was was huge for us.
1: And what was so exciting was using the bigger pockets calculator and running the <laughs> calculation and seeing the infinite <laughs> return on the cash on cash. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> Yeah. This is so exciting. This is what they talk about.
2: We're actually doing <laughs> yeah, it.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, Lauren, I do have a quick question though. So when you had to give the boot to the subcontractor, right? Why didn't you stop right then and there? I feel like a lot of a lot of newbie investors, rookie investors, would probably have gotten freaked out there, right? Where things aren't going the way you plan on it going, uh, even in the in the third property. I mean, w- what
6: made you keep going even after that? Because I was responsible for somebody else's money.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. On our first property, um, we had people interested in either going in on it with us or loaning us money, and the fear of failing with somebody else's money killed me inside. And so I refused to do that with our first two deals. And on this third deal, we were playing with somebody else's money. And so giving up kind of wasn't an option.
2: For sure. Such a great motivator.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, that's interesting because for my first deal, I didn't feel confident or comfortable with going with doing it by myself. I found a, a money partner for my first deal and I had zero money into it and he put up the thing. So it's it's interesting to see someone else who didn't want a partner because they didn't want to be responsible for their money where I wanted that like shared security <laughs> in my first deal. Felipe, what did you do for years? Did you use your own money or
2: for my first property? Yeah. yeah, I did. I, I did it on my own. And I grew up with a dad that like kind of made us work more than we wanted to. <laughs> so it, when I got when I got my own house, it was just doing a bunch of the work by myself, just kind of figuring out little by little. Yeah,
0: so,
6: that's it. But when you were in that situation, you figured it out, right?
2: Yeah, exactly. When you get into that situation, it's it's either sink or swim. And and I think just don't sink, man. You just keep on pushing you look like a duck. If you ever see a duck just going over water, I mean, it's cruising along, but underwater, it's just, you know, flapping as fast as it can. And I feel like that was a lot of my properties. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And I think that's one of the things I love about this property is that because we weren't hundred percent sure on the ARV, when we started going over budget, I was panicking. No. It's only going to appraise for 80,000. What are we going to do? And it really kind of put us in a corner and forced us to be creative so we were able to save and cut costs in a lot of different areas where if our budget was a little bit more cushy I maybe wouldn't have taken the extra effort so we had a roofer who was amazing but was expensive and this forced us to look for a new roofer so we found someone who kind of does it independently and does a great job and did it for significantly cheaper yeah and then
6: actually we forgot to mention the uh, the when we bought the house we bought it as is so there was Furniture, basement was full. We would have had maybe about four dumpsters worth of like, uh, like a thirty yard dumpster, mm-hmm. probably about four of them worth. We actually made a contact with somebody through our uh, real estate meetup group that owns a dumpster company.
1: Yeah, we originally got a quote from a national junk removal company, and it came back double what I had budgeted. I mean, it's so
6: expensive, <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. so we reached out to a contact at a meetup, and he just happens owned own a dumpster and Holloway company and was able to do it for significantly cheaper. So, you know, just kind of putting yourself in these tight situations really causes you to be creative and think um, about different solutions where, you know, on our first property, I don't want to say that I had so much savings that we can do whatever we wanted, but there's such a learning curve that if you heard this roofer is good, you're just going to use them because that's the least of your problems at this point.
3: Yeah.
0: With the dumpster removal, though, why did you guys have to get rid of all that stuff? Can you tell us about that? What, usually when you buy a house, everyone moves all their stuff out. So if you could yeah, elaborate not. a little yeah, more. So
6: <laughs> this house had cats.
1: Well, I mean, take it a step back. So part of the agreement and the pain point with the seller was that she lived in Florida. She was far away. All this furniture was left for her daughter. Her daughter didn't care about the house anymore. She got up and left and um, went and moved in with her boyfriend. And so part of the service that we can give that a buyer on the open market couldn't probably give was the fact that we were going to take the house as is. And That meant all of its um, entirety. So it was heavy leather couches (laughs) and uh, illegal paraphernalia and (laughs) cat feces. And it was disgusting, Um, but we were willing to do it. And that's how I think we landed the deal.
6: Yeah, for sure.
0: And you had said earlier that you listened to her, that you spent a lot of time listening. And I'll guess that you knew to tell her you could, she could leave everything and that would be helpful to her accepting your offer.
6: We we could tell it was painful for her because she didn't realize the house had, you know, come to that state and she Mm -hmm. had a lot of personal belongings there that got destroyed that she didn't know about. So, yeah, we were, we felt for her that, you know, she was in pain doing that sort of thing, going through that and- uh, that was something we could help her out with mm-hmm.
2: awesome okay so before we move on is there anything else that you want to add about this property it's it's. I mean it, it sounds like you guys are going to hit a home run with the refi but is there anything else that you want to talk about about this specific property
6: mm. the cats did you keep them <laughs> <laughs> we did not they were all gone luckily I mean, I thought we were going to come across some you know dead one somewhere you know, uh, that gone. would have been <laughs> <pretty> yeah, easy <laughs>
2: Okay, so let's recap a little bit for our audience here. So let's say that I'm just out there listening to you guys talk and and I hear this show and I come across, I'm like, man, I want to deal just like this one. So for our audience, why don't you just quickly, let's reverse engineer it. Go back to when you first started. What are some of the few critical steps that they could follow to get the same deal. I mean, your refinance came back at like 20, 30 grand more than you expected. So give us those highlights and those critical steps that our followers and our listeners can follow to find something similar.
1: Yeah. So reverse engineer is a great, great way to put it. I think it's so easy to get stuck in analysis paralysis. We were in it for a very long time. I actually looked back to see when I joined the bigger pockets, um, You know, group and my account. I think said 2013, and we didn't invest till 2017. So there was many years of analysis paralysis Mm -hmm. in there. Um, And so, yeah, reverse engineering is a great, great way to put it. So you really need to just break it down into small, attainable steps that you can do because the massive goal is so uh, scary and can seem overwhelming. So I would say for this deal specifically. You know, I think the market played a a great part in it.
6: Exactly
1: what I was going to say. Yeah, going back to how I read the 100-page redevelopment plan, there is another city right next door that is all the hype. Yeah, You know, people are (laughs) dumping a lot of money into it, and it's been up and coming for the last 30 years. And it hasn't really turned yet. I mean, there are very small pockets, but it wasn't a place that we felt comfortable yet. And I read that redevelopment plan. And basically what I did was, I read the plan and then and the plans are usually a few years old and I looked and did my research and just by like Googling news and Googling um, the town hall meetings and seeing what parts of the plan have actually been implemented. And this town that had all the hype and this great redevelopment plan, very few things had actually been implemented. And the city next door, which is where we invest, when I was reading the plan, I did the same thing. I looked to see which features were actually being implemented. And while they may be impl- being implemented a little bit more slowly, they were. I actually saw action being taken place. So they built the new metal school. They, you know, put new lamp street lamps down the main street. They hosted a music festival. They, um, you know, have plans to do a skate park and I actually saw action being taken place. So I would say that something is, you know, solidify your market and really focus on that and talk to people who are also in the area. I think that's one of the big things is in our media group, we have other people investing in the area. So, so that's one thing I guess is, you know, Try to find your market, and then this deal specifically. Kyle brought up a good point, and everyone says this: you know, find the house that's not cared for, find the absentee owner, find the person who has a situation that a person on market might not be able to handle. And I think that is probably really intimidating for a first-time buyer to just like go for an off-market deal. But there's less competition there when you're bid, when you're on open market. There's so many personal buyers, people who are buying for their primary residence. And then there's a lot of investors. So drive and be boots on the ground, I think is important, especially for your first deal. So, you know, you, you found your market now start driving around.
6: Yeah. Um, and once you analyze, don't get emotionally attached, mm-hmm. you know, make the offer that makes sense. And if it, if you get outbid, so be it, you move on to the next one.
0: And you guys are a great example of that because you, like you said, that you, property number three was the perfect property right down from your second property. And you guys walked away when the numbers didn't make sense. So you're a great example of that. Yeah. Patience was definitely helpful in this deal. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome.
2: I love it. I think that's a great example. One of the things that I picked out of there for sure was that you didn't just sit around and wait for a deal to come to you. Like you said, you were boots on the ground. You went out, you knew your property, you knew the community. That's a big thing that I tell you know anyone that I help with real estate is, You know, you need to be analyzing so many deals that you're almost disgusted when you can't buy one because you know that it's going to work so well so that when you are ready to pull the trigger or a deal does come across the table, it's a no brainer. Mm -hmm. Even for me, like when my realtor sends me deals, I can tell just by the street name if it's going to be something that I'm going to buy or not because I'm out there every single day.
1: 100%. And, you know, there are times when maybe we're not ready to buy for whatever reason. And I still stay so in tune with the market. I have a spreadsheet, every house that is for sale. I keep a track of what it was listed for, how much it's been reduced, how many times it's been reduced, how many days it's been sitting. Then, so I know that when it goes off market and goes to a foreclosure, you know, I have all background information on it. And then when we are ready to purchase or start looking again, we actually know what's a good deal. Because if you don't have a pulse on the market, how do you know if it's a good deal? I mean, yeah, the numbers might work in a certain way, but maybe the, the deal could have been better three months ago, you know? So I just think having a pulse on the market at all times, even if you're not ready to buy is super important.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's a, a really great tip. I love that. And when you talked about how um, the wholesaler found you guys by that's some way someone could find a property, too, is just they pretend they're the wholesaler and look at people with out of state mailing addresses and you know solicit.
1: Oh,
0: properties. 100%. Yeah. We try, tip. yeah. I go to full buying. investigative mode trying to find yeah. people who own houses.
1: Um, you <laughs> right? know, how many houses do they own? Where do they live? How far away do they yeah. live? Do they own houses with anybody else? Like, I have made link trees. I'm like, okay, so this person owns this business and this business owns these two properties and they own this other property with somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it gets addicting.
6: Yeah. Because we were driving around just counting meters on the side of houses just to. Yeah. That's take what the I ones my up. kids
0: do. <laughs> my kids are trained to detect mom, there's a house with two meters. <laughs> (laughs)
7: Mm -hmm. whether you need to buy or sell or you're just obsessed with looking at homes for sale redfin's got you covered Redfin updates their listings every two minutes to help you see new homes first. And they give you personalized recommendations based on the homes you like so you can find the home that's just right for you, whether that's a cabin, a craftsman, or a castle. With the top-rated Redfin app, you can favorite homes, share listings with others, and schedule tours, even the same day, with a local Redfin agent who can help guide you through the whole home buying process. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents have the experience to help get you the best price possible for your home.
3: But you don't have to do all the paperwork and filing yourself. Corporate Direct is your professional and affordable option for getting your LLC done right. They handle the state filings, draft your operating agreement, and act as your registered agent. They'll even help you comply with the Corporate Transparency Act Head over to CorporateDirect.com slash BiggerPockets to schedule a free 15-minute consultation with an incorporating specialist. Mention Real Estate Rookie and get a $100 discount on your formation. That's CorporateDirect.com BiggerPockets.
5: This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
0: Okay, so it's pretty obvious you guys are the MVPs of this deal, but we want to hear more about someone else or a group or anything that you think is the MVP. This is someone or something that plays a critical role in your business. Uh, We know you guys are DIYers, so you might answer this a little differently, but we call this segment the...
2: It's the MVP, MVP, MVP.
6: I love that part.
0: (laughs) And we want to know who, who is your MVP in this deal?
6: So I think we kind of came to the conclusion that our meetup group is actually our MVP.
0: Yes. Shout out
1: to South Jersey real estate investing group. Um, We found this group when we first started investing. Um, One of the founders was local to our area as well and started the group himself because there weren't any in our area. And you know, you don't realize how valuable those connections are until you need them. And with our most recent deals, the individual that we reached out to for the junk call, you know, he was a member of the meetup group and we've gotten our attorney, our lender,
6: electrician, our
1: electrician, um, you know, so many subs and so many contacts from our group that. They have saved us thousands yeah. just from these contacts, yeah. and then also just being able to bounce ideas off each other. You know, when you f- first start investing, for the most part, you're you're doing it alone, and maybe you have a partner, but you both kind of don't know really what you're doing. You yeah. know, how we, do you know what's right? You know, we haven't necessarily worked with any of the members directly on projects, but we all invest in the same area, and so we all just make sure we're all tuned in. I have one investor who texts me all the time, every time a house sells so that we can keep track of ARVs. Um, I have another investor who um, is constantly telling me which renters to stay away from. So it's it's a real communal effort. And you know it takes a village. And, and I think that our group has been the true MVP because it's just been, it's made the learning curve a lot easier. Absolutely. Yeah, rising ties raise all boats. And so you know you get what you give and we give just as much as we get. Same thing. Contacts, walkthroughs, look at our appraisal, you know, stuff like that. So we think it's a group effort.
6: Yeah.
2: That's awesome. So for some of our listeners that are like, okay, I want to find a great meetup. You know, what does that look like? What does a great meetup look like for someone who's never been to one? Right. It's kind of like, you know, it's funny. I tell a story all the time about walking into a CrossFit gym and you see these acronyms like WOD and, you know, whatever of the day. And I'm like, this is not my people right so for someone who's brand new what would what's the tips that you would tell them this is what you should look for in just a great real estate meetup
1: so i would say start by finding the individual so i'm very big on instagram and there's a community in and of itself on instagram i mean that's how you know we ha- we kind of met originally and i would maybe start by finding the people and then figure out what groups they go to because yeah. Why reinvent the wheel? If this group's working for this person and they're doing well, I think it should be good for you too. And then also, I think that kind of gives you a good gateway or a good introduction to the meetup. I know it can be very scary to go to a meetup and not a single soul. And so what I kind of recommend people do is find an individual who is going to the meetup and just shoot them a direct message or you know message them in bigger pockets and say, hey, I saw you're going to this meetup. I'm going as well, really looking forward to seeing you. And that's kind of it. And then it just gives you that face. It gives you something to recognize. It gives you and a reason to go up to that person and say hi. And I just think it kind of eases the fear of networking and being social in a crowd where you know yeah, absolutely no one.
6: I think it also helps you avoid those Sales pitchy type of meetups where you can almost just build that community, so I went yeah. to so many bad one of those, oh my gosh. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Lauren, I love your tip about like finding someone, you know, on Instagram or Facebook or whatever, because I've gone to a couple meetups where I don't, it's like at a local bar and I don't know which group of people is the meetup. You know, maybe there's only five people there and it's those five guys sitting in the corner. And one time (laughs) I actually went to this meetup and I'm like, I asked the bartender, I said, hi, I'm here for the real estate meetup. They're like, oh, upstairs. So I go upstairs and I'm looking around and there's like, group of like dressed professionals. I'm like, okay, this, I know this isn't them. So I look again on my app, there was two locations of this bar and I was at the wrong one. (laughs) So I almost went up to these people and like, hi, I'm here for the real estate meeting. But luckily I checked my phone and um, I got to the right meeting and I recognized uh, the person from Bigger Pockets who had posted about the meetup. So I went up to him, but, um, about an hour later, another person showed up saying she went to the wrong bar too. So I didn't feel (laughs) as bad.
1: (laughs) I've actually done something very similar. Fortunately, I was in the right location, but I just went up to a group of people that were standing at the bar and I was like, Hey, you guys here for the meetup? Nope. (laughs) nice talking to you
4: (laughs) who
2: is this lady walking up like i wonder if
1: they thought that was my pickup line
2: (laughs) (laughs) that would have been hilarious all right so i got another question guys so if i'm let's say that i'm brand new going into a meetup how should i act going into a meetup what questions should i ask what questions should i stay away from you know what's what's the right way to approach a meetup if you're just brand new
1: hmm. So I hear some people kind of give the tip that you should have a goal in mind. So, you know, I want to find a lender. I want to find an agent. And I kind of recommend the opposite. I think you should go into the meetup as open minded as possible because you don't know who you're going to meet. I would say an easy question is, so what kind of investing are you into? You obviously know that they're there for real estate Um, and maybe they're an agent and they don't invest and, you know, they'll correct you and that's fine. Um, So I would say that's a good question to start.
6: And even if it's not that person, they're going to know other members of that meetup and they're going to say, oh, you should talk to Steve over there. He, you know, buy and hold Burr in that area. So you're going to end up meeting a a good contact that that, uh,
0: you're there to meet. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, when you guys go to a meetup, what's, is there like a standard little flow you do? Like in the, the beginning, you do a little announcement or you, you introduce everyone. How does your meetup kind of work?
1: So the one that we go to regularly has a mix of formats. Primarily, there's a presentation in the beginning and then about a half hour of networking. And then sometimes we do just straight up social ones that are at a bar, which we're doing next week. We're really excited about. And then sometimes we'll also do property tours. So we hosted one at our property number three and we had about 30 people or maybe 40 people come into our cat pee smelling house and we gave them a tour and let them know the numbers and our plans and what we... um, planned on doing, and then afterwards we went to a bar. So. It was
6: perfect, because there was about three or four other people that were investing in that area, and all the construction style is basically the same, the layout, uh, beds, yeah. baths. So it it was helpful for them just starting their, their renovations, seeing ours. We were about halfway through at the time, seeing where we were at, where our numbers were at, and where we were putting money, mm-hmm. um, what was most valuable for the refinance uh, to up that appraisal value. That's really interesting.
2: I wanted to ask, so why, and, and explain to our listeners, why you would want quote unquote competition in your property walking around? I mean, to, a, to, to someone who's just starting, they're like, well, why are they going to have other investors you know, all up in their cookie, right? So, so what would you guys say to that?
6: Yeah, as, as Lauren said before, rising tide raises all boats. So when they That's pull right. a comp, we want that comp to do well because that in turn is going to make our property appraise high. So uh, I've got no problem showing other investors, you know, where we're investing.
1: Mm-hmm. And as I said earlier, we are not trying to have a, you know, hundred plus unit portfolio. And so we do not have the bandwidth or the want or desire to own every property in this town. Correct. So
6: what happens if that town takes a dump, right? Our whole portfolio goes down. So like we said, we're not single focused in that area. So
1: and we've never had an issue. We have a lot of fellow investors in the meetup who invest blocks away and it's never been an issue. We are kind of just somehow on opposite schedules where when we're buying, they're finishing up a renovation yeah. we're finishing up their buying. So it's never been an issue.
0: That's awesome. I love that sense of community you guys have developed in your meetup. Can you tell us where you're like, how do you find out about your meetup if someone's from your area? How do they get to know about it? There's an Instagram page. Um, it is just... S-J-R-E-I-G,
1: <laughs> um, and also um, Justin Eaton, who is the founder of the Meetup post about it on Bigger Pockets. So it's in the, you know, Meetup portion there. He posts about it every month, and then he also posts it on meetup.com.
0: That's great. Okay, you guys, that's today's MVP is Lauren and Kyle's Meetup. If you want to find out more information about that, you can go to biggerpockets.com forward slash rookie one and we'll post it in the show notes and you can also go to as lauren mentioned to biggerpockets.com forward slash events and you'll be able to see their meetup there or one in your area
2: awesome okay so we're going to move on and this is probably one of my favorite parts we're going to be going on to what we call the rookie request line we are going to take a question from a rookie who has called in and is going to ask you a question my name is Anna Klein from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and my question is regarding realtors. What is your best advice for finding realtors who know what they're doing with investors and who are just not looking out for
6: commission? Our realtor, luckily, he does invest also in units in the area. Finding one? Lauren? Lauren?
1: I would say go to your meetup. Yeah, um, there are great answer. <laughs> <laughs> um, there are always agents at your meetup, and if they understand what you're looking for, if they understand what investors' motives are, they'll be able to better serve you. Um, obviously, a agent who encourages you to raise your price or to just close or waive certain things in the deal maybe might not have the best interest in mind for you. But, you know, the majority of agents, especially if they know that your investor want your future business and they want to get you the best deal possible so that you'll stay with them. It is definitely a long term relationship. And, you, you know, maybe you have to explain that to them. But if they're aware of that and if they're a good agent, they will definitely do what's best for you and not just do what's best for their commission.
0: Now, did you guys sign on with this realtor, are they are you exclusive to them? Did you sign um, an agreement? I know sometimes they'll ask. Realtors can ask you to sign with them that if you purchase a property, that they will get a commission, even if it's an off market deal. Did you guys do that? We did not. No. No.
1: Yeah, it was yeah actually, I was actually. I was gonna say I was actually a little nervous after we bought our off market yeah. deal, and then we reached back out to our agent to search for the next property. I said, I promise we didn't cheat on you. We didn't use another agent. Um, <laughs> yeah. you know, we found this property on our own. And, he, and, you know, he was totally understanding and we came back to him. So I feel like that's all I could ask for.
0: If you guys want to be featured on an episode um, coming up, please give our rookie request line a call and leave a voicemail for Felipe and I. You can call it one eight 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 five rookie 1-888-5-ROOKIE and leave us a voicemail and we could play your question and have our guests answer it for you. Okay, so let's wrap this up. We've got a few semi-random questions for you guys and we're going to give you a chance to tell everybody where they can find you after we go over these couple questions that Felipe and I have picked.
2: Absolutely. Okay. So this is one of my favorite ones because I was kind of nerdy in high school. So I want to know what were you like in high school and what
6: kind of clicks were you guys involved in? Oh man, high school. So I was like definitely a skater surfer boy in high school. So I mean, look at me now. I mean, I would kill myself on a skateboard, but that's what I did when I was in high school.
1: I've seen pictures. It wasn't pretty.
0: I had a a
6: (laughs) serious bowl cut. Oh gosh.
0: (laughs) We will attach that picture in our uh, show notes. Yeah. I'll send it to you guys.
1: Um, (laughs) Love it. And then for me in high school, um, I don't know. I was super active in sports and I had kind of like a big mix of friends. I was friends with all of the cheerleaders, but I didn't cheerlead. I played volleyball, um, but I was still friends with all the theater kids to be honest, I felt like my high school was very inclusive. And I felt like because we had a small graduating class, we were kind of all friends. But yeah, I um, was athletic and outgoing and had a really good time in high school.
0: That's great. And that's probably a reason that you're so good with communicating and talking with people and why you do so well with your meetup and meeting people is because of, you know, with your high school background, just being friends with everyone. And I'm sure that's carried to the meetup and made you guys great connections there. I think so, yeah. Okay. So the next question I have for you guys is, what is one bucket list item that you still want to cross off?
6: I don't know. We've been... We've actually thought
1: about this a lot. Bucket list items are very (laughs) difficult for us. Um, (laughs) But one that we've been thinking about recently is taking a boat down the East Coast and stopping at all the coastal towns. Um, Very cool.
6: Yeah, we we are... very much ocean people. So uh, I've had a boat my whole life in some capacity. Um,
1: I did for the most part, learned too, it yeah. for the
6: most part too. So, mm-hmm. And we want to make travel kind of a priority in our lives. So it kind of mends the two together.
1: Yeah, we just got scuba certified um, over the summer. So we're really kind of pushing this water thing hard.
0: Very awesome. And uh, do you kind of see maybe a long-term boat trip that your real estate investments have Helped you get to you know being able to take that long term vacation from work or maybe quitting your job. Mm-hmm. That's I mean that's definitely
1: a focus. Yeah. When we first started, uh-huh. so Kyle being a in law enforcement has a forced retirement age of fifty five. Yeah, of fifty five. So originally mm-hmm. our goal was I want us both to be able to retire at fifty five because normally um, officers will then have to like get a second career afterwards, and that goal has shifted significantly after each property. Mm -hmm. And now, I mean, it's kind of a little bit of a moving target. We're going to see what happens when we have children. um, But we would love to retire significantly sooner or just take like mini retirement vacations like the boat trip. Um, But we do think in ways of... You know, going back to Rich Dad, Poor Dad, we do think in ways of how can our houses fund our life. So mm-hmm. once we kind of cover our basic living, and, uh, living expenses, I want a boathouse. I want a house that pays for the boat. Yeah. Um, I used to ride horses <laughs> a lot when I was younger and stopped purposely because it was really expensive and we wanted to save for investing. So I'd love to get like a horse house. <laughs> I
6: mentioned that boathouse, I think last week I said, so that boathouse, when are we doing that one?
1: yeah.
6: <laughs> <laughs> So I got a question for you guys. What tool
2: or piece of technology could you not live without when investing in real estate?
1: So I feel like this is going to sound like a really basic answer, but I have found so much value. I'm waiting for Kyle to give me a look. I found so much value in Instagram. Um, No, I agree. (laughs) 100%. There (laughs) is such a deep-seated community in there of people who are trying to help. Obviously, if people are putting out their work on a social media platform, it's because they love it and they want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And there have just been so many times where I have blindly DM somebody to ask for advice and they've given me the best answer or inspiration or people have called us out. When we were renovating our first house, mm-hmm. we were laying down laminate flooring and we were laying it in a tile so, pattern. Uh,
6: I've only ever laid three quarter inch hardwood where all the pieces are all different mm-hmm. sizes. I've never laid manufacture where it's all one size. So we just started oh, and laying you it have down. to And you have to cross it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like instead of sporadically making the first board a different – uh, length to throw the mm-hmm. seams uh, randomly around. We were just putting boards down and then halving the first one. Mm-hmm. So it looked really yeah. manufactured. You could see the pattern in the uh, seams. Uh, and it yeah, just, yeah, yeah. so. And someone somebody called
0: called us out on like,
6: Instagram.
1: I posted it on my story. And <laughs> Why I'm like, didn't I know that? Yeah, they said, that, <laughs> you, know, you know, don't want to be pushy, but that's not how you do it. You should really throw the seams a little more. And so I was like, Kyle, this guy on Instagram told us we're doing it wrong. And I made him rip up the, <laughs> we only got halfway through, but I made him rip up the entire floor.
6: Yeah, we did, and we did, and I and I remember being <laughs> yeah. like, "Why didn't I?" I mean, I know that. Why didn't we do that? So, mm-hmm. but stuff like that, even like when we were getting water in the basement, I just threw on there. You know, anybody got any ideas? People came back with all these ideas on how to how to you know tackle that water issue. So, yeah, I, I was going to say Instagram as well. I mean, it's I love it's, that you guys went back and did it right. I want,
2: I want listeners to know that that's very important take positive advice, you know, and, and make those changes and you're not going to run into problems, you know, later.
0: And it was probably hard for that person to reach out to you guys too, and actually tell you that because sometimes it can feel like you're, you don't want to criticize that person and for you to actually take their advice and, and to roll with it, like Felipe said. Mm-hmm.
1: Definitely. Great. It really is the crowdsourcing of information. There's so much knowledge. Yeah. There's so many people on the platform. You, you,
6: and so many people are doing it a lot longer than we have that have, have been there. So you're, you're not only gaining their knowledge, but all of those years of experience as well of that.
0: Yeah, I 100% agree. I love the Instagram community. <laughs> that's how Felipe and I met, and that's how I met you guys. So Exactly, yeah. We're in a yeah. little mastermind group together, and I love it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so now we have a little bit of rookie hazing. Oh boy, but don't worry, we'll help you guys out. What song is your guilty pleasure? And can you sing a little bit of it for us? This is all Kyle. No,
1: Laura we'll doesn't you know out.
6: song lyrics, yes. <laughs> so uh, yeah, weirdly enough, my, my guilty pleasure song is definitely Hillary Duff coming clean. <laughs> if you pop that song on in the morning and get in the shower. It's like the greatest way to wake up. I I just can't you. see you, you getting ready
2: as a law, uh, as you know, as an officer of the law, with Hilary Duff bumping in the background. Oh yeah.
1: <laughs> well, Andy wakes up at four thirty because he has to go to work at six a.m. So it's four thirty, shower going, coming clean is blasting, and it's every morning over. And oh, over it's and the over best again. song.
2: It's the best song to wake up and take a shower to. You gotta, li- you gotta start singing it for us. You have to.
6: Yeah. Let the rain fall rain down, down, wake down. my dreams. Let it wash away, away. my sand. And I was a huge Laguna Beach fan back in the day. That was my jam back in high school. So uh, that was the theme song for it.
0: Oh, okay, okay.
6: That's, oh, that's hilarious. Great. That was really good. Oh my gosh, <laughs> our, that's
1: so our funny. Our first
0: hazing. You you did it very well.
6: <laughs> and I have no professional training. It's
1: like <laughs> might be hard to tell. I know. We, I know you did really good. Yeah. <laughs>
6: That's so funny. Okay. All right. So guys,
2: where can people find out more about you?
1: If you haven't guessed, Instagram. <laughs> um, our handle is at rentals to wealth. We are on there very often and that is where we are most active. We post all updates about what we're doing with our projects and I'm very good at answering every DM. So if you have any questions, that's the best hey, place. Yeah, Kyle's good too. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Kyle's okay. I'm better. Kyle's okay.
1: <laughs> if it's a renovation question, I, I give it to him. I just want to make sure I sound like I know. Yeah, what I'm we have
6: about. we have our roles. So we, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we know who's going to answer. I don't even attempt to answer any management questions because she's the mat, you Yeah. Know.
1: Yes, and then we both have accounts on Bigger Pockets. Um, we're definitely on there pretty often, but for us, Instagram's where it's at.
0: That's awesome. And then we'll link all that in the show notes at biggerpockets.com forward slash rookie one. Okay, well, I thank you guys so much for uh, talking with us today. This was a wealth of information. Thank you so much for having
1: us. This was so exciting. We feel honored to be the first guest and we're very excited for you guys and very excited for all of the listeners because this podcast is going to be very beneficial for everyone
0: and it's awesome.
6: Yeah, it's awesome. Thank you so much. This was a pleasure.
0: Yeah. Thank you guys. I'm Ashley at Wealth From Rentals. He's Felipe at Felipe Mejia, R-E-I. And make sure you join our Facebook group at Real Estate Rookie if you search that on Facebook. And don't forget to check out the show notes at biggerpockets.com forward slash rookie one.
2: Guys have a good one. Bye now.